All right, so let's jump in. Greetings, my friends. Jason Archer here with Hard Water Radio. We're jumping into the next episode. We're recording live here under the umbrella of Hard Water One in the Valley of the Sun. And today I'm joined for the very first time by the one and only Corey Ogle, my partner in two businesses now. How's it going, buddy? It's going very well. Glad to be here. Awesome, man. You nervous? Not at all. I asked you that earlier. You did. You had a prepared answer for that. I did. Today, <laughs> today we're going to be talking with the guys and gals from M1 Movement. We've got Nicole and Ben, and they're going to be telling us a little bit about their philosophy around the PTAT world. And so I thought it'd be um, a good opportunity for you guys to maybe take a couple seconds and introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about your background, what you're passionate about, and we'll just take it from there and see how it rolls. I'm Nicole Muma. I'm an athletic trainer and strength coach, certified strength coach, uh, as well as a CrossFit coach. Um, I do a lot of the Olympic weightlifting programming at Hammer CrossFit as well. Uh, my biggest passion with this field is, uh, you know, helping the athletes if they do get injured, you know, coming back from that injury and making sure that as a whole athlete, mind, body, um, that they are confident in you know, that next step of moving forward back to play or, you know, whatever that athlete may be, whether it's recreational activities or, you know, collegiate level sports or pro level sports. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that when the first time we spoke, you had mentioned that as well. And mm -hmm. that touched a little bit into Ben, one of the things that you're also passionate about. So maybe you could give us a little bit of background on yourself and talk about that. Sure. So I'm Dr. Ben Palmer. I'm a physical therapist, owner of M1 Movement. And, um, also a CrossFit coach at CrossFit Blade. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy working with athletes. And um, what we kind of do at M1 Movement is we really value empowering the people that we're working with. And so um, when someone comes in to see us, we might do a lot of hands-on stuff with them to start out with, we may not. Um, but our big goal is to help people get back to doing what they want to do as soon as possible, as fast as possible while doing so safely. And so, I mean, speak to that just a little bit more. Maybe you both can. I know that there are, it seems, a bazillion PT outlets here in the Valley, right? So what is it about your philosophy that you feel separates you from some of the also-rans out there? The big thing with um, just healthcare in general and, and maybe the rehab aspect, so you have you know athletic trainers, physical therapists, chiropractors, things like that they're all trying to help people we're all we're all trying to do that and i wouldn't say that there's one better way versus another i do think that there's some value in the way that we explain things with our patients and clients that can really make somebody feel like they're strong and resilient versus broken down and old you know like uh somebody that is 30 years old and they and they go see somebody and they're told that they have a back of a 70 year old, that's not very encouraging. Um, and I don't necessarily uh, think that that's true, that they do, even if some kind of image may show that their bodies are stronger than maybe some of the things that they've been told, so. Yeah, and so I think uh, this was also one of your passions, Nicole. You were talking about the way the mind sort of has a, this extreme interplay with the body, the mental physical connection. So uh, what is it about that, that when you see someone, you know, when someone comes through your door, that you guys try to break through and let them see, you know, hey, maybe someone placed this limitation on you, or maybe you placed it on yourself. However, it's not true. 
for me, the biggest thing is, you know, developing that rapport with the athlete, you know, asking them questions, allowing them to talk and speak their mind and let those feelings out and then responding in a way that you let them know, okay, I'm listening, um, and then give them, you know, different perspectives on things rather than telling them, well, that's wrong or say, well, have you ever thought about doing something like this? Or have you tried that? You know, like kind of give them different ways to deal with whatever it is that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. and kind of have them figure things out for themselves as well as kind of help walk them through it and let them know that, hey, I'm here for you. If you're struggling, like talk to me, you know, we'll figure it out. If, you know, I may not always have the answers and, you know, I'm very honest with Um, The people that I work with, I've had, you know, athletes in the past where they come in and I sit there and I stare at them and I'm like, I, you're, you're a huge question mark for me right now, but I'm going to continue to work through everything that we can think of, you know, but I need you to communicate with me as far as, you know, things that we are doing that have been working or haven't been working. So then we can take that next step into, all right, well, let's try this direction next. So that begs the question, what would a concrete example of something like that look like? So when someone has a disconnect between what their body is physically capable of and what their mind is telling them, hey, you can or you cannot do this, you know, what does that actually look like to the individual? And how would you sort of handle that in a concrete way. So I've been working with a lady that's been having a lot of hip pain. Um, She's the most recent one that I've seen a lot of this with. Um, She's very hesitant to do anything. She's been told by a few different people that, well, you know, you may not be able to to deadlift normal or you may not be able to squat, you know, all the way down or, you you know, you may always have this hip pain, you know. She's tried so many different, you know, directions, you know, gone seeing chiropractors and different PTs and not that anything was wrong you know they all kind of gave her you know steps to get to the point that where she was now I feel like when I started working with her I just kind of let her discover and overcome those fears I think a lot of it is more fear-based of well it might hurt like if I do this I I could get more pain because no one likes to be in pain it's uncomfortable you know but if you kind of let them discover for themselves what what they can do or say, hey, try moving yourself this direction or place your feet here or move your hands out a little bit here and then try it and see. And they might be like, uh, you know, like, but what if it does? Okay, so if it causes you pain or discomfort, then we know, all right, that didn't work. So let's try a different position. So it's just continually letting them discover their own bodies, letting them discover what it is for them that works, that makes them feel good and makes them feel confident in that movement. I think it's is key to kind of overcoming or overstepping that mindset connection of okay is this pain or is it really just me thinking I can't do this or I'm I'm fearful of that pain and so how about you Ben I know that you have uh, a way of looking at this as well you mentioned this earlier during the intro what are some of the of the concrete examples you've seen where people have had this disconnect I think what we run into a lot is that somebody comes in and they think that one way to do something and that one way then starts to become painful and they don't know how or if it's okay to do anything but that. So sometimes that can be pertaining to maybe it's just the load of something. So if somebody has pain with pressing overhead, is it the press itself or is it because they can't handle 75 pounds but they can handle 55 pounds? Maybe they've been squatting differently 
one way really, really well. And that way got really tired and kind of worn out and overloaded for a bit. And it just needs a break. So maybe we can help them find a different way to do something and let them know that it's okay for a bit. Maybe they can go back to their other way. Or maybe we find a more efficient way for them to lift heavier. When things are at low loads, the way that you do something may not be as big of a deal as opposed to when you start lifting heavier. So mechanics maybe probably play a bigger role in that. But if I catch a clean at a light weight and I know that I can lift quite a bit more and I happen to catch it on my toes versus flatten my feet, I know that I'm probably going to be okay and I can stand up and not be fearful of that position. Now, somebody else, if they don't know that, and that's what we kind of help with is letting them know that it's not the end of the world. It may not be ideal to continually practice in those patterns, but every now and then if they catch it in that position and stand it up at a super lightweight, I wouldn't be too concerned. Pain and damage are poorly correlated. So you can have pain and no damage. And you could have damage without pain. Really? Too. Yeah. That, okay, so this is interesting. Now we're getting somewhere, right? <laughs> All right, so you're telling me I can hurt and there could be nothing wrong with me. Right. Yep. Okay, explain this, please. Yeah, so pain is like a protective mechanism, essentially. So most of the time when you're experiencing pain, now let me preface this by saying that there's still probably a ton out there that I don't know. Like I'm not an expert on all of this stuff, but this is kind of the, the gist of it. You're good enough for these purposes. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time it's when you're experiencing pain, it's warning signals, protective signals that are going on in your nervous system. You're still feeling pain and still real, but what that may be doing is preventing you from going further into extremes that for whatever reason. So the history that you have in your lifetime, what you've experienced, maybe you've had pain with pull-ups before and all of a sudden like your body then starts, your nervous system starts to associate certain things. The last time we did this many pull-ups, it started to hurt. So then it gets a little bit hesitant. You know, you, you, there's a little bit of maybe fear in that. Well, the last time I deadlifted heavy, my back quote unquote went out, you know, or, or I heard it, you know, something like that. So what our body does to protect itself as a natural response to things is to take in all of this information of whatever is going on and processing then output saying, stop it or no, you're okay. You can keep going. And that all happens really, really fast. So like you, when we talk about it, it seems like that would be a slow process, but like, okay physically in our system, everything like happens really, really quickly. Of course, yeah. And so uh, so you mentioned earlier that pain is not necessarily correlated with damage, but what I just heard or what I interpreted from what you said was that fear might be correlated with pain. Did I hear that correctly? You can, yeah. yeah. So the way that our response to the initial pain that we have can really have an effect on then how the pain progresses or digresses. Really? Essentially. Yeah. So the, I gotta be careful with the words that I use here. Um, That's right, you're under contract here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's response, if they don't know what's going on in their body. So maybe I'm a little bit lucky in that when I feel tweaks and aches and things like that during a workout, I know not to freak out 
that I'm probably all right. I may need to stop the workout. I may need to try something different and I can keep moving. That may be a little bit of a little bit unfair of me to say than for other people. Um, when somebody rolls their ankle and they feel a, a crack, right? That's pretty common with an ankle sprain. Their immediate reaction might be if they've never had that before to think that it's broken. Maybe the the joints have just caused like a manipulation like a pop if you're cracking your knuckles. That's because they heard the noise. You're right, saying. yeah. yeah. Right. And so autonomically, like automatically, their body goes into a stress response thing where if, it's, if they've never experienced that before, they don't know what just happened. They feel like they may have just broken their ankle and there's this huge blowout of, that sounds really bad because it's appropriate. It's an appropriate response that they have, but they don't know what happened. So, so is it that their perception of what happened is actually causing yeah. a physiological change to the brain saying, hey, register some pain here, dude. Exactly. Like, I heard a pop, man. Yeah. Like something's broken. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like kind of like that pain tolerance thing when you say, like say Corey and yourself both have, you know, you sprain your ankle, both like you go get it checked out, all right, it's grade two sprain, both of you have the same thing. You are over here like, can I go out and play again? Like, I feel fine, I'm good. And Corey's <laughs> like, oh, my ankle, it hurts well, that's just so like bad, Corey. you know? That's just so like it's Corey. like, okay, then they say, well, Jason's got a higher pain tolerance than Corey does. Well, no, it's not, I mean, how can you really measure pain? You know, mm -hmm. it's everyone's reaction to that situation or that right. feeling that they have. Mm -hmm. Well, it could be too, like, Maybe in that same example, maybe Jason, you grew up playing basketball. And in basketball, a lot of people experience ankle sprains or rolling their ankle, right? And you're like, eh, no big deal. Like I've been through this five times before, it's fine. But maybe Corey just has never in his life experienced that. Mm -hmm. And didn't have a lot of friends, maybe. Maybe he didn't hang out with the basketball <laughs> crowd. <but> like, <laughs> I don't know. Not in that way, but like, Jeez, not a lot of friends. friends, friends, friends and I cannot got, take pain. Can't take pain, he's got no friends, jeez. <laughs> friends in the basketball arena, you know, or like, you know, in CrossFit, we don't do a whole lot of lateral movement, you know? So like, right, which there's is not a lot of training complaints. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So there's no cutting, like, we don't spend much time in the transverse plane, you know, twisting or, or anything like that. So transverse plane, come on, man. Yeah, that's a little stop technical. cursing in a CrossFit yeah. rotation. Rotation. The rotation. Your plane. Russian twists. Right, yeah, right. That's it. That's things like that, or you know, like maybe you're running sprints and that's the only time that you're changing direction, and mm -hmm. uh, or maybe you are doing jumps and you land on your ankle uh, or roll it. But you know, very few times we're going into that. But if a CrossFitter, especially nowadays with with kids starting CrossFit, you know, yeah, young, yeah. and maybe that becomes their sport. Mm -hmm. They, when we're going to the ankle sprain quite a bit here, but we, I've had, I've seen it happen where you know someone's skipping and they roll their ankle in a CrossFit class or whatever, and um, they just haven't been exposed to that. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Who knows? But if you haven't had an experience in a with something that's causing pain, maybe you'd freak out a little bit more. Rightfully so. Sure. So it, so it sounds like what you're saying is that basically having a familiarity with a particular injury may or may not increase or decrease your perception of how, <laughs> how much pain you should feel. It's almost like, it almost sounds like you ha you're telling your body what it should or shouldn't feel based on your perception of that particular situation. Mm -hmm. Is that what the research is showing? Or is this just like what your, 
what you've seen through your, you know, many, many times of working with patients or, you know, where's that information coming from primarily? I know personally for me, I've seen that um, a lot with, you know, being in high schools for three or four years and working with kids and, um, and then personally I've been through it myself too with my, both of my ACLs. You know, the first one I tore it and I was like, okay, like that kind of hurt. But then the second one, as soon as I went down, I knew exactly what it was and it was so much worse the second time because I knew what had happened. Mm-hmm. I knew all that work I just put in just went to poop. And, mm. you know, so it was like, mm. for me, it was more of emotional right. pain than physical pain. Um, so that you said the second one was worse. Yes. So this blows a hole in my theory about familiarity. So, well, well, so earlier we were talking about it. Yeah. But there's a lot more that went behind that story. Like, so in the small time frame of when that happened, she immediately started thinking of what her future? Yes. So so it was more of an emotional response to that pain, not necessarily that it was actually worse, but my reaction to it was worse than the first one. So the first... It affected what? So I had the first knee, you know, it took me two years to get back into playing like I normally had, and then, you know, my senior year was great. I had just signed a contract to go play at a D2 school for soccer, and then I go out and play a spring game, and it was just have fun game, and I play a position that I don't normally play, you know, kicked the ball, knee blew out. And it was right at that moment, I was like, I knew what happened. My mom ran out to me. I was like, I tore my ACL. I tore my ACL. She's like, you don't know. Like, no, you're fine. And I was like, no. And like, my mind just started racing. Like, well, there goes soccer. There goes all those two years of all that training I put in. Yeah, everything I did. It was was like, you know, I had everything I had ever wanted. You know, ever since I was like five years old, I had it in the palm of my hand and it was ready to go. Mm -hmm. And within, you know, a blink of an eye, it was gone. So it wasn't the injury per se. No, it was it like was, this vision of your future was instantly altered in that exactly. moment. Exactly. It was that emotional response to what had just happened and everything I had just put into it is now worthless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because now who knows if I'm ever going to be able to play soccer again at that level. Right, of course. And so in your head when you, when you went through that, or I should say in your body when you went through that the first time, you knew what to expect because you said you had the same injury. So you knew what was coming down the pike, right? For the second, yeah. For the second one, yeah. Yeah. But, the fir- but you said it was worse the second time, and we're establishing that there was this break with what the future could be mm-hmm. because of the injury, right? So my question comes back to this idea of the pain that you experienced. Was the physical pain The uh, physical worse? pain was probably the same. I mean, okay. honestly, with a- the ACL, the first time I tore it, I couldn't tell you what it felt like. I, had, mm. I mean... My teammates and my sister, she was playing with me at the time. She was like, you like screamed super loud. Like we heard this loud pop. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. All I remember is that something happened. I twisted and I fell on the floor and I'm laying there. And I'm just like, okay, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was sore and it hurt. But as far as like pain goes, it wasn't bad. Like the second one hurt a little bit more than the first one. But there was a lot more damage done in the second one than the first one. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the actual physical pain of it. I mean, I was up walking around, no crutches, you know, went on my senior trip with my second knee being blown out, whitewater rafting, <clears throat> zip lining, all kinds of stuff. So just rub the, some dirt on it. And yeah, the like game, the, right? the pain wasn't, it wasn't any worse than the first one. Gotcha. I had already been through it, but the emotional reaction to it made mm-hmm. everything so much worse. So like the overall, I, I, I guess one way of saying it would be your overall state of wellness, maybe? 
was sort of damaged at that point? Not just necessarily the physical being. Right. Your, it was definitely state. more of a mentally, mental state, and it right. carried with me for years. So this is interesting because I know Corey and I have had a similar injury. So uh, I know, uh, Dr. Leverage, when you were a young man working in the electrical industry, yep. you had a severe yep. disc issue with the back, right? Yep. broke my back from a work accident. Definitely took a lot of time to recover from that as well. And that's how I started CrossFit was um, just from back, you know, back pain. You know, I needed to find an outlet because it was like chiropractor's office every weekend. And I didn't want to live my life like that. So that's how I found CrossFit and, and it's uh, definitely helped me, you know, build that core stability. Yeah, I'm curious though sure. about your experience with like what that felt like. Do you remember the um, pain levels that you were in or like I the, mean, the it, movements that you could or couldn't do? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, you know, pretty painful. I didn't know exactly what happened, you know, is I, I, I vaguely remember though, like it, it happened and I'm like, oh, move my fingers, move my toes. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm good. That's all I knew. And until I got diagnosed at the at the hospital, you know, and um, but it, I mean, it was definitely very painful and um, a long recovery, you know, just like anything else. It pretty much had to learn how to walk all over again, you know. Yeah, I think yours might have been worse than mine. I had a couple of discs blown out, like L4, L5 issues, and I know to this day, when I'm under a barbell, I have this this nagging fear in the back of my mind that as soon as I descend something's gonna break like it's mm -hmm. just gonna pop and I'm gonna double over in pain and my life is gonna be over yeah. you know yeah I think it took a little while for me when I first started CrossFit to kind of get out of the, the mindset the fear of like always doing deadlifts I'm like cuz that was like it was like the move for me I'm like I'm so scared of doing this you know um, I knew it was helping me build like that stability that core strength that I really needed and you know for me every time every time deadlifts came up I'm like oh god yeah. <laughs> you know so that's um, interesting because for me it's squats like dads yeah. i'm cool with but squats right. man i feel like it's just going to happen which is funny because yeah the when you think about back and discs and things like that you'll have like those subgroups you'll have a handful of people who are like well it, i hurt mine doing squats but they're totally fine doing deadlifts mm -hmm. and vice versa but like when you think about it both of those use the back right right you know sure, so yeah. that's kind of mm -hmm. it's funny it's more i would say the association of the actual movement. Mm -hmm. So if I'm rehabbing you. Please rehab me. <laughs> helping you. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, I would, want to, I would spend a lot of time with you squatting. Hmm. Yeah. Is that for my, like, development physically or my development mentally, though? Yes. Smart ass. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in every sport. There's psychology to things, right? Of course. So building up confidence is a huge thing. Like you yourself said that every time you get under a bar, mm -hmm. you're afraid that something's going to happen. 100%. Yeah. So if I can spend a lot of time with you at low comfortable loads for a while and then you just feel confident in and we can start speeding that up because that's the name of the game in CrossFit, right? Right. But I can tell you exactly why. And I can promise you it's, it's more mental. I, I'll just go ahead and admit that it's more mental. The reason why is because the way my back injury showed up was when I would move through a certain range of motion through that bent hip, it would be so debilitating that I would just crumble. Mm. And so when I have weight on my shoulders and I move through that angle, I'm just worried that I'm going to end up balled up on the floor with a barbell like compressing me, you know, like, a ha like I've been folded in half like a piece of paper or something, right? Sure. 
But if I'm on the deadlift bar, I can let go of the weight. Yeah. So fair. for me, that's that's where my mm-hmm. mental hangup comes in. Yeah. Right. And then that's where so some of the stuff that really makes me like what I do. So I, I do coach as well, combining those two. So physical therapy and coaching, right? Because coaching, you're you're taking people through movement, right? But there's also that. Uh, if you're if you're coaching someone on a sports team, right? You, there's a lot of psychological components on what do you say to somebody, you know, to get them to do extra work, to uh, help them decrease their stress for that last game-winning shot, you know, things like that. There's so much that goes on with coaching, you know, to to get somebody to do something that maybe you're looking for, you know, finding different ways to get somebody to go do something without having that fear. Sounds like you're getting into the cueing conversation. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you're hinting at? Yeah, so then you get into this road where people probably respond better to task type cueing versus like, turn your butt on, you know, squeeze your glutes, turn your quads on, tighten your core, like all these things. Somebody is, is squatting and having a hard time getting up, I'll just, try different cues, you know, like a lot of people find a couple cues that work really well or maybe overdone though. Maybe that's not what that person needs, but everybody's got to push their knees out to stand up out of the squat, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> maybe just stand up, right. you know, that might work. Or like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like you like to think about pushing your hips through. Mm. Now that may be really good. That might be better than the knees out cue, but maybe the, if I were to ever come coach you during a squat, Maybe if I told you to just stand up, that might even be even better. You know, right. like I love being able to challenge people and find the most efficient, best way to get somebody to do something more efficiently, faster, whatever, easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we start doing the same things over and over again for different people, mm-hmm. especially, I think that's where we run into some trouble. You know, sure. like we, we, we don't want to get too comfortable with just the one way we've always done things. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, the squat key, right? Like knees out, whatever the case may be, um, and how so many of these common cues are overdone because that's the, the way we're taught, right? We're taught top down, so-and-so showed me and blah, 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 blah. Here we go down the line, right? But at some point, like just saying the obvious thing yeah. seems so obvious that it's like, why even bother? Right. right. Hey, dude, you squ- stand up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of um, the strongman world, which we do. We delve into a little bit in the CrossFit in the CrossFit world, right? And the beautiful thing about strongman is all the movements are just simple. It's like, well, how do I pick this up? Fucking pick it up. Yeah. yeah. Walk over there with it and walk back with it without <laughs> dropping it. Yeah. You know. And it kind of reminded me of that when you're talking about these simple cues. Um, so what are some examples of what you think are like cues that are overdone or useless cues or just the worst cues ever in contrast with some cues that you've seen actually work for people? And again, this is all touching on mindset. This is key. I don't think that there are cues that are just completely off limits. I would steer away from tighten your butt, squeeze your glutes. Our bodies just don't like respond well to those, even though it may seem like it. Maybe we got really good at that or we just don't know any different to say something else. The knees out cue probably is really good for people whose knees are caving in. Going into this valgus, 
but for those people that don't really know what that means is essentially their knees are coming inside their feet mm -hmm. and so for them a knees out cue might be all right maybe we could still get them to push their knees out by just staying stand up maybe i thought of maybe i'll think of a different cue when i'm working with somebody that i've never used before but then for whatever reason it worked for them now for that same person maybe three months down the road they don't need the knees out cue anymore they keep getting told that you know maybe they just need stand up you know or you know like jump towards the sky or you know what like i'll tell people when they're squatting like when you get down to that bottom position i just want you to think about exploding up out of there you know because like they go down super super slow try and touch that legal you know yeah. rep limit and then and come right back up yeah. maybe thinking about being explosive up out of the bottom would get you out of there maybe it won't but like we don't know until we try to think of something different mm -hmm. and that's the hard part of becoming a good coach i would think is that knowing that there are all these different things that you could say and finding the one that works for that athlete when you're coaching a a group class too sure. that's mm -hmm. also hard because yeah. then you're you're screaming to somebody that's doing a one rep max knees out knees out because that's what they need maybe and everybody else yes. in the class hears, hears that, that. Yeah. so then they're doing it too yeah. you know what i mean yeah. but they need a completely different one you know like keep your chest up you know knees back whatever it is yeah yeah so that's cool it, it kind of touches on uh this idea at least i think i think it's true based on my experience however i'd love to get y'all's input and that is this idea of bad cues, uh, or I should say not bad cues, because like you said, there's no such thing as a cue that's off limits. However, there are cues that are completely inefficient. Like they don't do what they're supposed to do. And you see a coach say over and over and over again to the same person, the same cue, and the same activity continues to happen. You know, at what point does that cue become a reminder to that person to continue to do it the wrong way? I've, so, I've had that happen a few times where, you know, you're trying to coach someone and you keep saying the same thing or keep trying to to explain to them what you want, want out yeah. of them mm -hmm. and they just don't get it I and mean, I don't know I mean like as far as I, I don't think you're necessarily teaching them the wrong thing by saying something that may not work for them it just may not register with them mm -hmm. I've had a hard time with trying to get people to kind of sit back in that power position when they catch like their snatch or their clean mm -hmm. rather than just catching it with their knees forward and just relying on their quads and you know engaging their core and their hamstrings in that posterior chain a little bit more and I mean I've sit back act like you're squatting sit down on a chair like all kinds of stuff and then I had this one girl it's like I've been trying to like get it but beat it into her brain and she said one day she's like I'm like a four-year-old child what would you tell me? I'm like, act like you're gonna you're sitting on the toilet, but you don't want to sit on the toilet. And she got it. <laughs> she and got ever it right since there, then, yeah. she's like, okay, I just think about like I'm in a porta potty. I don't want to touch the seat, so right. that's what I'm gonna do. Right. And it it just clicked with her. So it's like, um, I I look at it and I think it's fun. I the whole thing about athletic training and strength conditioning and injuries and people and everything like everyone's a puzzle for me, and I love it. I love trying to figure out what's going to work, work for best. Corey, yeah. what's going to work for Jason, what's going to work for Ben. You know, everyone is so different and that's what makes everybody so unique and that's what makes the job so fun is because every day it's different. Yeah. Like you're not going to get, yeah, you'll have the same groups of people, but you're having so many different movements and so many different ways of how, how tr trying to figure out how cue these people to be more efficient in that movement. And it's it's fun yeah. trying to be like, okay, well, what, what's going to work for you? Right. right. It's kind of fun to watch, too, when someone, you know, I mean, it, it's it's 
funny, fun to watch, funny in a strange way, but not funny because they're not getting the result when right. someone is working with them and they're like not getting it, you know? Because it reminds me of all these people who speak English to dogs. Like the dog's gonna get it, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, try that's, Spanish. That's not gonna <laughs> yeah. yeah, try Spanish. I've done that. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Hey, Baxter. Exactly. Pick a different language, man. But uh, it kind of comes back to this idea that the cue, in my experience, the cue that coaches think are best are the cues that worked on them. Right. And I know I'm guilty of this too mm -hmm. because when I first learned how to do a butterfly pull up, for example, it took me forever. I mean, I, don't, I don't, can't even count the number of hours I, I spent, you know, doing my best to learn that. And someone came up and they said, dude, just hang on the bar and start making small shoulder, small shoulder circles and make them bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, okay. And the first time I did it, I got it. And so for me, the best cue ever in getting someone to do that is that cue, right? right? Whether it is or isn't, yeah. right? right? But that's the one I always default to. Right. Like when we're cueing somebody and let's say that there's a coach that just has some favorite cues and they're trying to get somebody to get something accomplished. And that coach has good intentions, right? To try and get that athlete to move better or more efficient or however you want to say it. I think it's important that for the coach to know that it's okay to say something different to get the desired response, you know, like, and maybe there's just not enough coaches out there. It's not necessarily that they're continuing to tell these athletes bad things. They're trying their best to get that athlete in a better position, right? So maybe it's just us getting more knowledge out there to let the coaches know that like, maybe that cue's not working because they're just, they need to not go as low, you know, so that they can have better control over whatever their squat is or, or what, whatever that might be. Or not everybody needs the knees out cue. If their knees aren't going in, maybe they don't need that, you know, like sometimes we have to put that power then in the coach's hands is like, go watch some other people on YouTube coaching some people. Mm -hmm. Like, you gotta put some responsibility in your own hands and say, just letting them know like, hey, the cues that you like may not be cues that they like, you know what I mean? Or not even like, but just respond to. Everybody's different. And I think sometimes we can run into the generality of it all when we're coaching group classes. So we have to be careful about that a little bit. And like we said earlier, I hadn't even thought of this until now is when you're telling somebody out loud, you know, screaming, maybe you're not screaming if you're a coach or whatever, but you're trying to amp them up. Somebody else hears that cue and then they're going to apply it to themselves maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to run into that with group classes. So maybe it's something where as you're watching somebody warm up or you know the history of your athletes, you're giving them something before they go make that attempt, you know, not even in the middle. So then when they hear you yell it out loud, even though they heard you say something different, maybe you're telling them, I need you f try and do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to that, right. you know, like, cause I'll run into times where our athletes will come see me, you know, for treatment and things like that. And this is changing it a little bit, but we'll, we'll change their squat stance cause maybe their hip is hurting and maybe it's a little bit more efficient for their anatomy or whatever it is. And I'll tell them, you can go tell the coach that this is how you need to squat from now on. You saw Dr. Ben and this is what you need to do instead of saying, uh, instead of having the coach be like, uh, you're too wide, you know, or you're too narrow, you're no, or your toes are in or out too much or whatever. If the coach doesn't know that we've made some changes to that for their benefit, then the athlete's gonna be like, well, this person told me this, right. and this yeah, person yeah, told me that. Mm -hmm. Or what I'll try and do too, because I've got a good relationship with a lot of the coaches being on staff at our gym, 
you know, as I'll tell them like, hey, like this person needs to squat this way now for a while or, or whatever it is. So don't fix that. For yeah, them. for sure. It seems like a lot of that sort of feet two inches this way, you know, hips one inch that way kind of thing. Yeah. It just seems very arbitrary. It almost seems to me like a coach that spent 30 seconds with someone is just trying to seem knowledgeable about, you know, a particular uh, situation rather than actually having had the time to watch this person go through many, many movements right. and determine mechanically, well, this is what's going to be best for you. Yeah. And I think it's hard to tell early on when you have a brand new athlete at your gym versus over time, you can kind of see them move. And so when you're first teaching somebody how to squat, in this case, give them that freedom to explore. Your feet may be right under your hips. They may be outside your shoulders. You may need to point your toes out or straight forward. Probably not in. But, you know, things like that versus this cookie cutter way. In general, we like to be between our hips and shoulders, toes in or out, whatever, Mm -hmm. straight or a little bit out. Squat around a little bit to see how it feels and go from there. Right, and don't do this when you're attempting your one rep max, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. Try and start it from a low load Mm -hmm. or no load and then build up their base from there. This would be for a brand new athlete. Now somebody that's been training for a while, maybe we're starting it in the off season where we're changing their squat stance to build up their efficiency so that they can really get strong if they're a competitor or they just, that's their goal, right? Mm -hmm. And we can kind of break that down. We may have to cut back their percentages a little bit for them to learn this new stance, depending on the change of it all. Sometimes people have a lot of wiggle room. Like for me, I don't have much anatomy that's restricting me. I could squat in many different ways um, and and be all right. There might be some people whose hip anatomy causes some irritation or or pinching, so they may have to be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say rigid, but disciplined in in the way that the stance that they're squatting. you know, if there's some bony stuff going on in their hips. There's this one idea I wanted to run past you guys, and there's this idea of the difference between, you know, sort of average and good is huge. The difference between, you know, good and great is smaller, and the difference between great and excellence is tiny. And so I sort of liken this to the spectrum of athletes that we see come through the gym. You know, you've got the beginners, like you were talking about, all the way up to the guys like at Blade, who just went to regionals, for example, right? And so when you're working with these athletes, you know, and, and they fall on the spectrum somewhere, you know, are you trying to find excellence for them at their level? Or are you just trying to create competence so that you can at some point build excellence for them in the future? Well, to be honest, I haven't really thought of it in this, in this way, but I would say that I'm trying to get them towards excellence for wherever stage that they're in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my point because it, it would be a spectrum, right? The beginning excellence mm-hmm. for a beginner might just be hitting positions, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all kind of relative where they're starting and, and things like that. But something we try and do at M1 is when we're working with people, the energy is high. We're very rarely, if at all, telling people negative things. It's always trying to be positive about stuff, building them up. Because people, when they come in, maybe to a CrossFit class or um, if I'm working with a CrossFitter that uh, is overweight, low self-esteem, things like that. And people, I think maybe just in general, we have a tendency to think about the things that we can't do or when they're saying, oh, I can't do that. Like 
no, but you can do this. You know what I mean? Like you have the ability to do that and you couldn't do that, you know, two weeks ago. Right. So like then there's this coaching part where it's sometimes they just need to be reminded of how far they've come. Like mm-hmm. think about, okay, so, so you can't pick up the bar off of the ground, but you can pick it up four inches off the ground. Like that's still really good. Like you can still come into the gym and exercise. You can still get a workout in and, and do this. You may not be able to do the this one or two movements, but like you're not sitting on the couch, right? You, you still came <laughs> yeah. into the gym. Like, and people need to be reminded of that, sure. that they're doing awesome things all of the time. They just don't realize it. And if we can change their mindset to just have a better morale, you know, because being in pain sucks, mm-hmm. you know, it is not fun. And when you start getting into chronic stuff, it's, it can be depressing. When people come see us, if we can provide a, a change, if we can provide some positivity into their lives, get them moving and, and just get them, even if it's just a small part of their day, to feel like they did something great for them, you know, I think that's a win. Yeah, for sure. It sort of touches on this idea of the gap, right? So all of us are at a certain level and all of us can look back to where we were and see a gap or we can look forward to the guy that's doing, you know, 300 pound squats and see the gap that we have to make up and knowing which gap to look at depending on your mindset or perspective can impact sort of your viewpoint as to how you see yourself, right? And I hear what you're saying is to basically look at your actual progress. Be grateful for where you are and appreciate yourself for the work that you've done. Don't get into comparison sickness and you know, get all bitchy and moany because, you know, you didn't deadlift 405 pounds today kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. Awesome. So you guys have a fairly new facility. It's You're going to be operating out of the new Blade building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, how you're set up and how people can find you. Yeah, so we, um, since October of 2017, we've been in a new building. We have our own suite. It's about, it's a little bit more than 800 square feet. It's right next to CrossFit Blade. Um, it's kind of cool. We've got some doors that kind of go in to the gym. Uh, they've been really gracious, and uh, we've been blessed to be able to use the gym um, and their equipment. And they let us use, uh, take our clients in there and do a lot of stuff with them. So it's really awesome, the ability that we have there. And pretty soon here, this summer, we're going to have another location that Nicole will primarily be working out of, um, out of Hammer CrossFit. And... Um, I'll be visiting there, you know, probably one to two days a week, maybe half days, things like that. So super excited about all of that. And so if people want to get a hold of us, they, we have our website, which is m1movement.com. And they can go there, find our number, find all of our social media stuff there. Um, call, set up an appointment, anything like that. They can call for questions if they just have questions about stuff. Uh, we can do a free you know, phone consult, essentially, to see if we're a right fit for them. Any last words of wisdom to impart to the masses, folks? <laughs> so if we could let people know just a few things is not everybody's the same, and not everyone's pain experience is the same. So two people in the same room may both have back pain for whatever reason, but they might not be the same. You know, they could have the same issue on like a scan or something like that maybe they're experiencing it a different way so if somebody's had a really long rehab stint and shoulder pain or back pain it doesn't mean 
that it's going to happen to you. An additional point would be that if somebody is feeling pain and it's new to them, find a way to move as soon as possible, as pain-free as possible. So when someone comes to see us for that acute part, what we're trying to let them know is, or help them find out is, what can we do in movement that will get them moving again so that their body doesn't start become, becoming fearful? Our response to that pain you know, can really have an effect on how we're recovering. So that's gonna close it out for today, guys. I wanna let you guys know if you're in the North Scottsdale area, be sure to check out CrossFit FSI. If you're in the Deer Valley area, check out CrossFit North Phoenix online at hardwater.com for all your apparel needs. And until then, for Corey, Nicole, and Ben, this is Jason Archer signing off saying honor the work.